just like most episodes, this one contains strong language. Who are Kenyatta and Jack? We're just friends who are Gen Xers, former Air Force brats, parents, taxpayers, and citizens of the Earth. And we're here to save it one podcast at a time. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another super califragilisticexpialidocious episode of Kenyan and Jack Save the World. Hooray! Yes. As always, I'm Kenyatta. With me is Jack. Hey, Jack. Hey, Kenyatta. How are you today? I'm good. And with us, we have a special guest. We do. We do. Jack, I give it to you. <laughs> well... <laughs> Okay. <laughs> we have with us Tim Bird. He uh, has been in the music industry in the, and he's coming on. He's going to talk to us about that type of stuff. He's actually Kenyatta's friend. So I was a little shocked when she threw the ball over to me. I was called, not ex- called improv. <laughs> I was not expecting that. <laughs> um, like a handoff to me, but go ahead. Yeah. No, 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 yeah no. Right. No, 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 no. See, this is this. Some, I just got to keep everybody on their toes. So. Every once in a while. I'm not saying I'll always catch the ball when it's tossed at me, but I'm just saying, just. Okay. But <laughs> so, yes, we have a guest. <laughs> Tim, why don't you uh, just give us a real quick sort of Cliff Notes version on sort of your career in the music industry and whatnot. No doubt. But first, thank you guys for having me on the show. Oh, thanks for coming on. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Um, again, my name is Tim Bird. Right? I go by Tim Bird Music. Well, actually, no, I don't. I just use that for my business. Tim Bird. I've been in music for a long time. Uh, worked with uh, a lot of artists, sort of like uh, Boys to Men, Aaliyah. Um, I've had music placed on TV shows like Catfish, Growing Up Hip Hop, um, a couple of other um, TV shows like uh, that's on the Investigation Discovery Channel. I've had a lot of stuff placed in background music for that. But yeah, I've been doing it for a long time. There's a huge story behind it, and I would love to get into it. If we we can do that after we finish our WTF moments. I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to this. And I also have a story of my love-hate relationship with the Boys to Men song. The what? With the Boys to Men song. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> do you want to do it now or do you want to hear or go do it after the WTF moment? I thought that was your WTF. Oh, <laughs> well, no, mine is mine's a little more angry, but no, I'll throw it out there. <laughs> yeah, when yeah. I was in uh, AIT for the army, there was uh, a female that was there and her husband was had sent her divorce papers while she was in school. What? She spent every evening from the day she got that letter to the day we graduated on her little portable CD player playing into the road. <laughs> Every day, repeatedly. I liked the song. And then I went through this, I hate the song. Yeah. And now yeah. when I hear it, I'm, I'm back in the, I like this song, but it still kind of gives me some like heebie-jeebies or something because I go back That's to that. Cool. That thing of there are other songs that you can play when someone breaks up with you. <laughs> yeah, that, I guess that's the end of the road, though. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess they, they figured that. Yeah, I, a funny story about that, real quick, is that 
Boys to Men never wanted to do that song. They hated that song. Wasn't well, I mean, good a, company then. <laughs> wasn't that a cover of, um, I can't think of who sang it, but it was from a movie. Um, mm, it's right there on the tip of my tongue. It was the old 70s movie. Um, there it goes. It just went. Staying Alive? Uh, <laughs> negative. Um, <laughs> no, this was a this was an all-black cast movie. Um, or a... Uh, uh, primary black cast movie oh my gosh i'm gonna think of it when i when i'm not thinking about it anymore but was there it, was a was it blackula <laughs> yes jack it was blackula because <laughs> yeah. he was making everybody come to the end of their road <laughs> right <laughs> literally <laughs> well no i, don't know I mean if it's a remake i know it's i know the people who produced that and wrote that um they were influenced by a song from um what was that? Um, I forgot what song, song it was from the 70s. That was actually from the 70s. And it was um, The Spinners or something like that. I know it was uh, from a song from The Spinners, but it was heavily influenced by that. But I don't know if it, if, I know it's not considered a remake because nobody else's name is on it except for Babyface's name on it. Okay. okay. Yeah. But Boys and Men hated that record. And I remember I was there when um, Michael Bivens from uh, BBD, New Edition, uh, he got the tape from Babyface, and I heard the demo version of that song with Babyface singing it. And um, we were at his house in LA, and um, he had to get um, he had to get Boys and Men on the phone because they were on tour at this time. And this is the first time I've seen anybody who have a full screen wall TV to where you can make calls and talk to somebody. This is back in ninety two, ninety three. Oh man! So this is at Michael Bivens' house, and so he gets them on the phone. And he asked him, did you get, you guys hear the song? He said, yeah, but we don't want to do that shit. Mm -hmm. like, Come on, it's a hit. It's going to be in a movie. You know, at least you got a song in the movie, blah, blah, blah. It's like, look, we're not doing that shit. They, just word for word. We're not doing that in the story. And he said, then Biff says, yo, this is what you do. You got two hours off, off of the tour. Just record it. And it's, at least it'll be in the movie. Nothing else will happen. Next thing you know, it's their biggest song that they mm -hmm. hate. So they were in your boat too, Jack. They hated it too. <laughs> the difference is they had to sing it at concerts. <laughs> Good point. Mm -mm -mm. I can't but, say I have that kind of love-hate relationship with it. So I've always liked it. <laughs> but then, I mean that that was that was Boys to Men. Boys to Men's whole shtick was the broken-hearted love song. They did it. They were neck and neck with Joe to see at the time, but they were one of the best that ever really did it, honestly. So right. to me. Right. <laughs> so well, now that we've got that out of the way, since you're our guest, Tim, why don't you uh tell us your WTF moment? My WTF moment? Yeah. Yes, what I got is um I am from Kenyatta saying hey there. <laughs> and when I got that, I was like Scooby-Doo. Huh? Why is she in my inbox? But it wasn't, I wasn't alarmed because we're friends on Facebook. So why not? Blah, blah, blah. I was like, right. okay. And then um, I, I, I kept, I responded back and said that, um, hey, how are you doing, friend? You know, just to see, check a temperature, see what's going on. Right. I'm doing well, blah, 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 this, that, and the other. And she said, I see that you're busy with your post and, and this, that, and the other. And I said, yeah, so um, how was the birthday party? Just to check it because her daughter just recently had a birthday party. And I just wanted to see if she's going to respond. So when I sent that message, it was crickets after that. It was a while for her to respond back. I said, aha, gotcha. 
gotcha. She's not real. Uh-uh. Yeah, she's not real. And then two minutes after that, she responded. She said it was great. It just it lets me know that, you know, I bet I'm getting old and blah, 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 this, that. And oh, yeah, she's real. And that's another. <laughs> that was my WTF moment when she hit me up. But we well, haven't seen each other, I don't think, since um, Teletech. But you said we saw each other one time after that, right? Did we? I don't think so. I don't, I don't know. I don't think but, so. Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, I have, good. I've slept since then, but I don't think so. <laughs> but that okay. was my WTF. That that was a nice, lighthearted WTF. <laughs> but I'm glad yeah. she reached out because I'm looking forward to hearing, you know, more about sort of your career and whatnot. That's what it is. And it's, it's a lot nicer than mine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> uh, mine is really sort of a follow on to last week. And that is just the insanity of acting as if, you know, all of these shootings is just not an important thing. You know, how are you going to sit there and tell me three, you know, a year and a half ago that having kids wear a mask at school is bad for their mental health and it's going to, you know, it's going to affect their mental health. But going to school and worrying about being shot at by a psychopath isn't bad for their health turning the school into a prison because people are like, well, they need to have screenings like at airports. I don't think we should do that to kids. Right. <laughs> well, let's be clear. There are some schools that do do that. That is true. And so I don't already. think they have to go through that either. And I don't, I don't think schools should be turned into little micro prisons. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. And, you know, as I posted on, on uh, Facebook earlier, I expect members of the military to defend the constitution and the bill of rights. You know, if someone in the army dies, all of the bill of rights is, you know, all of that sort of encapsulated in that. Mm -hmm. right? I, I don't want my second graders to die for the second amendment. Right. Or any right. amendment for that case, but <laughs> you know, true. It, I'm just tired of it. And I'm a, until recently I was a gun mm. owner. I'm probably the only person that actually got rid of them out of laziness because I haven't shot them in like eight years, but you still have to clean them a couple times a year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't want to do this anymore, <laughs> but I, yeah, I'm just, I'm just tired of people getting shot when, if we could stop 85% of this just by changing the age or whatever, then we, we probably should do that. Changing the age, changing the waiting period. I think you had posted this earlier. Jack about uh taking a drug test. Yeah. All of that. All of it. Let's let's throw some of those qualifying things in there that will make it that much harder for right. people to get their hands on stuff. And if you're a legitimate gun owner and you don't intend anybody any harm, this shouldn't be a problem. Shouldn't be a problem at yeah. all. Yeah, that's easier to get a license, a driver's license. You need a driver's license to drive. You need, and there's certain situations in order for you to get it and safety precautions, whatever you have to go through, mm -hmm. they should have the same thing for guns. Yep. Yeah. And Absolutely. Well, what I said was, earlier was if you have to, <clears throat> in some states and in the Republican Party, there's the whole, if you're on welfare, you should have to take a drug test to receive your welfare benefits. Mm -hmm. um, well, mm -hmm. if you want to buy a gun, maybe you yeah. should have to take a drug test to buy a gun, too. Yep, right. That. Of course, the first thing is really just wrapped up in, you know, racism, as it always mm -hmm. is with. Them. <laughs> but <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Kenyatta, we've both learned as we've done this show, everything my Pell skinned compatriots do 
in the Republican Party stems from that. <laughs> Why wow. are y'all like this? <laughs> I don't know, Kenyatta. I don't know. <laughs> oh, I, I laughed. I laughed to keep from screaming. I, I swear. Oh, goodness. But, but anyway, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm just tired of hearing about school shootings and hospital shootings and grocery store shootings and church shootings and you know, funeral and then the funerals and what it's doing to our kids. I'm sorry, but if you think wearing a mask is going to give your kids some mental health issues, worrying about being shot up is probably a little more harder yeah. on the mental health. Do you know? Oh, yeah. Do you know what also probably gave them poor little children mental and emotional issues during this past two years? Having to be homeschooled partially by their own parents and realizing their parents were stupid. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and bigots. <laughs> and bigots, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So if you're so worried about the kids, yeah, I'm going to need you to start closer to home. Yeah. Well, they're only about worried about kids while they're in the womb yes yeah. let's, not, let's not even get started on that right yeah. <laughs> that's another wtf moment we'll we'll probably come back to that within probably the next month or two anyway so but don't care about them when they turn 18 into ship them to the military but go ahead not right. at all. Oh, absolutely right not at all yep. here sign, sign on the dotted line go defend the country thanks thanks appreciate yeah. it appreciate it that is uh, true well might i take a moment you good i'm good i i I tell deeply, I'm I'm back. I'm not angry anymore, and I'm ready to go listen to this interesting career. Okay, before you do that, one, we're in June, so I like to give a great big shout out to the LGBTQ plus community and say Happy Pride Month. Happy Pride Month. Yes, Happy Pride Month. Two, you two and anybody else that happens to listen will be my witnesses when I say that I was wrong. Hard pill to swallow, huh? (laughs) (laughs) It was not the end of the road that I was thinking of as far as being a remake. It was it's so hard to say goodbye to yesterday. Yes, Uh, that's 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 a song from Cooley High. That was the movie I was thinking about. So that was the remake. Right group, wrong song. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) you know it happens. I'm on the record. You got me. Maybe, yeah. maybe you having to apologize it could be your WTF moment. Okay, so. Because <laughs> <laughs> it, really, it really was like a WTF in my head. I was like, I was wrong. I was wrong. And I have to admit it. I have to admit it. Dear God, I have to go repent when we're done with here. <laughs> yeah. I hate it when that happens. Me too. All right. I'm good now. I'm good. All right. All right. All right. Switching gears then to this, this much more interesting topic. Well, hang on. Hang on. There was a good segue here because earlier oh. you said on the record, speaking of records, Tim, I think <laughs> you have some experience with that. <laughs> Pretty damn good. Yes, <laughs> I do. <laughs> I'm, I'm leaving. Y'all let me know when you're done. <laughs> <laughs> yes, oh, I do. That was good. <laughs> Yeah, just had to. <laughs> yes. And yes, I mean, now I try to answer it. Now we'll turn the floor over to you, Tim. And I guess I can ask you a question that me, you and I had discussed um offline previously about what got you into the industry. You know, how did you get into it? Who did you 
I don't know how to phrase what else I wanted to say, because not all of these questions I've asked, I don't think we touched on everything, but my biggest, biggest question was probably when you've already answered, how did you get, how did you get into the industry? Put it that way. Okay. The industry, well, as I mentioned before, I always loved music, no matter what. Um, I was in a R&B group at, um, don't laugh at the name, but cool name called So Swap. Crazy. Used to um, perform around locally here in Virginia. And um, we used to perform, uh, we did a, did we do a couple of shows? We also knew Missy Elliott at that time. Missy oh. Elliott, she was in a group called Faye and they were like a female version of us. We had all had the same guy that was um, hooking us up together. And um, fast forward to my group, still performing around, I had a friend named um, Todd White. He started a group that wanted to be like new kids on the block. And um, he made everybody, he look, he would make posters around the area, never had a record deal, didn't record anything but had people think that he had a record deal with Atlantic Records, and it was was not true. So he had a poster, and um, he wanted the new new kids on the block. And what happened is they went out to um, L.A. to uh, with a, a, a guy who was managing us, went out to L.A. when Marvin Gaye got a star and ran into Michael Bivens while they were out there. And they went up to him and said, hey, we want you to sign our poster. Biv said, get that shit out of my face, because he thought it was new kids on the block. <laughs> He thought I was new kids on the block. And um, and at this time, me and Ty were writing songs together and it was leading up to uh, getting better. So they would call us from L.A., which remember back in those days, everything was long distance. So they would call us from L.A. and say, hey, we just ran into, into Heavy D. We just ran into Stevie Wonder. We also ran into Michael Bivens, blah, blah, blah. And we thought they were lying the whole time. <laughs> so. Biv gives them a ticket to go home because he liked the poster. He liked the way they looked. And he said that, I like the way you look. I just got a new situation with Motown. I want to sign you guys. You guys go home. That's how I actually got into the industry was indirectly through um, the group. Now, that same group, if you ever watched Motown Philly, Boys the Men, their mm -hmm. first video, there are five Caucasian guys in the video. That's them guys. Okay. Yeah. And so that's how I got into the industry itself. I've always been around music. I've seen people who are successful now ran into them and this, that, and the other, but it wasn't really considered the music industry. But my first contract was with Michael Bibbs from BBD New Edition. I mean, if you're going to start out, you might as well start out with somebody who just barely had a career. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> yeah, that guy. Never, never did anything in his life. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just, but that's how I got into um, to that, and um, I was just first producing or writing, writing and producing, and um, that was around about eighty nine, ninety, and that's how we met Boys the Men because Boys the Men before their album came out, they used to come to Newport News, okay, and the guys got signed, so they used to come down to visit them, and we play basketball, we hang out. And um, it's funny that you mentioned it's so hard to say goodbye, Kenyatta, because uh, we heard that song before it was even finished. Mm. Yeah, before it wasn't even finished. And, it, okay. and I love the original. Oh, yeah. Did justice on that. Yeah. So um, wow. we just we just stayed friends with each other. Michael Bivens um, put us in the studio in Virginia Beach and we recorded a bunch of stuff. And as always, there's always a transition of the guards, the changing of the guards to where um, things don't end up working out. So we end up having to leave Bib because he lost his situation with Motown. And um, we wanted to get out of contract and try to move to further things. 
but that's basically how I got. That's the initial way that I got into the industry. The list goes on and on. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. How does one go from what's the process of like being the engineer for an album? How do you? Were you just in there and you're like, hey, dude, show me how to do all of this stuff. And that's how you pick it up. Did you know some of it beforehand? No, I didn't know nothing. And I, actually, I technically was never an engineer. I am now. Right. Yeah. Back then. No, no. It was just a matter of learning. And we we hired engineers. I was the only one that would sit there in the studio and pick the brain of the engineer. The engineers put the sounds together and all that stuff like that. For those of you guys who don't know, they sit there and take the artist's bullshit. The producer's bullshit and um, artists ask for stuff that is impossible to do, but they make it happen. But no, <laughs> I learned from um, listening to them, watching them and finding out what sounded good, what didn't. So to become an engineer back in those days, a lot of people went to school for it. Mm-hmm. OK, yeah, they went to school for it or they mixed did an engineering mix for somebody that somebody else liked and they were referred to or they were asked about. That's how that happened. Hmm. Nowadays, I don't think you have to go to school um, for engineering. Um, but if you want to understand like um, the in-betweens of like the deep stuff, like the hertz, how many hertz you're supposed to have a frequency of a sound and you want to learn all of that, that's good. But sometimes you can just hear if something sounds crazy. True. Okay. Yeah. True. Not to say that I could run right in there and put something together, but I just know there's just some things that just feel funky to you. Just like you just want to turn it off. It's like, no, it's no good. Sucks. Make it go away. Yeah, but the engineer does. They they make sure that, um, let's say, for example, you ever hear, uh, you ever heard a high ear piercing sound that just bugs your ears and you just can't deal with it no more? Yeah. What the engineer engineer does is make sure that doesn't happen when you listen back to the final product of the record. Hmm. Yeah. And they level out all the music to make sure they all mesh together. So it's like gathering together organized noise. That's basically all. That's what they do. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Oh, go ahead, Kenya. Sorry. It just made me think about, um, I can't remember who I told, told this told this to a while back, but it was last year on, yeah, last year, 2021 or 2020, um, I had come across, it was Prince's birthday. So naturally, like everybody was doing their Prince tributes. And um, I came across a video. He was another, is another musician. I can't think of his name. It escapes me to this day. And it makes me mad because I wanted to find that video again. But he manages to pick apart layer by music and instrument layer of Prince's uh, Let's Go Crazy. Oh, wow. Layer by layer by layer by layer. Like wow. he would he would play like the uh, this, this the, the initial layer and he, you know, he played like a couple minutes of it and he'd throw in another layer. And there was stuff Prince included in there that you would not, you would not think would make sense. Right. But when he layered it all up together, it was amazing. I just sat there in awe. Like that's the, exactly what the, the engineer does. They that's what I'm. That, yeah. It, it's like it blows my mind that it's so intricate. And then like someone like Prince, who we already know is you know was like a genius. So it was like he had like I would say cowbells, and I know I'm wrong, but he had stuff like cowbells in there, like sounds you would not think would belong in a song were in there. Right. But it all harmonized and blended so seamlessly. 
that we get the classic that we hear today. I'm like, that's wild. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It is. I always you found know, that. You know, I, honestly, I give props to all the engineers that have to deal with that because um, each channel on a board, you ever seen those movies where you see that little board when you go in the studio? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It has a lot of knobs and a lot of fader things that you push up and down. Each one of those has a sound on it. So that's like, if you have like a mixing board that has 24 channels, there are 24 different sounds from eight up to 24 different um, sounds on each channel single by itself. Like you were saying, like he soloed out one instrument by itself Mm -hmm. because the other instruments won't play at the same time. That's the reason why they're not on the same thing. So that engineer has to take all 24 of those individual sounds and make them sound good together, just like you were saying. And that's some work. That is. Yep. That's amazing. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So what all, uh, we sort of spoke about this earlier. What are all of the sort of artists that you've worked with and who is your favorite? Unless you're afraid they won't work with you again, in which case lie. Boys to Men, a lot of local artists in the area in Virginia. Um, let me see. Dave Hollister from he was the front man for this group called Back. I mean Black Street, not the Back Street. My right. bad, Dave. My bad. But yeah. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, who else? Because I was with Boys and Men for well two years, and uh, Aaliyah, a couple of other artists, and I can't remember that were coming up that ended up coming out with certain albums. Not too many big big people. I was around a lot of big people like. Um, I was there when Jay-Z did his first album because my a friend cool. of mine, yeah, a friend of mine, um, Ski Beats, shout out to Ski Beats. Um, he, mm. we used to um, keep in touch with each other all the time when I was living in Philly and he was, he moved to New York and I would go visit him and he would take me to the studio while he was working on um, Jay-Z's first album. And I didn't know who Jay-Z was and I was an R&B pop producer. He was a hip hop producer. So it's like different worlds. Right. As far as like other big people, I really haven't worked too too much with a lot of big people. Those are pretty much the ones that I've worked with. Okay. So who all have you? Oh, my favorite was Aaliyah. My bad. Aaliyah. So Aaliyah. did you ever meet anyone that you were just like awestruck and you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I walked past so-and-so in the recording studio. <laughs> Kenny Loggins. Kenny Loggins. I never worked with him, but I met him. That's awesome. Cliche- that is freaking awesome. What are you saying? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. 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 This was, I think it was 98, 99. We were recording in Sony Studios and Sony Studios have a lot of studios. Um, it starts from A to, I think it was E to A to, I think J. I'm not sure. That's the, that's how many different studios. So uh-huh. while we were recording um, with, you know, the group I was telling you about downstairs in the um, the lower room, DMX was working on his first album. Uh-huh. So we had Studio B upstairs, and one day, one day we're just chilling, we're setting up everything, and this guy walks in, and I say, "Wait a minute, you're Kenny Loggins," like he didn't know. You're Kenny Loggins, <laughs> <laughs> and that's that cliche stuff that you, you know, what I'm saying it's like, yeah, you tell somebody who they are, and they are, they were born with it. But yeah, and he said, "Why? Yes, I am." He said, "Is this Studio B? Because I'm supposed to be booked in Studio B." I was like. Um, you're Kenny Loggins. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, thank you for reminding me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. We got it worked out to where he was in Studio D as an uh, 
Uh-huh. The next day, J-Lo walks in. Can you hear me? Yeah. I was, okay, I was that's just how my speaker went out. He, yeah. No, he, I was just thinking about how I would handle that situation. Just like that. Handle, just yeah. That. Yeah. That's how he <laughs> I couldn't even say you're J-Lo. I just looked. Mm-hmm. That's all I could do was just look. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that tracks. That's probably an acceptable reaction. <laughs> <laughs> she had, yeah, she had the same issue as Kenny Loggins did to where she thought she was in B. It wasn't the next day. It was a week later. Yeah, it was a week later. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and after that, one of my old managers from back when I was in the singing group, uh, he, his cousin was at the studio, and he knew Puff Daddy. This is when Puffy was dating J-Lo. Mm-hmm. And so uh-huh. there was a studio across the street called Hit Factory. And mm-hmm. uh, he took me, he took me over there and he, and he was bugging Puff to, he said, yo, Puff, this is my, my man right here. He's a producer, man. You got to put him down. He said, Rich, Rich, I got you, blah, blah, blah. No, man, you got to listen to him now. <laughs> and um, nothing came of that though, but I almost worked with um J-Lo. I would have loved it, but I was, I was really um loyal to the group I was working with. I was really loyal to that. Now, if the money was good, yeah. Money does mm-hmm. have a way of speaking to people. Yes. Indeed. Definitely. It, it's so interesting you say Kenny Longs is like he's been a he's been like an old school favorite of mine since forever. Yeah. Danger and zone. oh my God. Danger zone. Um, of course, Footloose. Um yeah. Meet Me Halfway. Yeah. yeah. What was the other one from Footloose that he did? Um oh the title escape thing. Because yeah. it was it was right, it's right there near the end, I think. Um, it's all right from Caddyshack. Also, that it's all right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But he did a song a couple of years ago with like a newer artist. You, you guys ever heard of Thundercat? Yeah. Oh, Stop. only the cartoon for Stop me. Stop playing. <laughs> that I mean, that's where he took it from. But um, it's kind of hard to categorize him. He's like what funk, um, some R and B. He's 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 got a cross genre style to him, but he's he he's really good. Um, one of he, those, uh, you talking about Thundercat or you talking about um, Loggins? Thundercat. Yeah. Um, he did a duet. Did you ever hear that duet he did with Kenny Loggins? Not that I recall. No. Y'all need to check that. It's called "Show Me the Way." Uh, Fantastic. It, it was like I was because I was. It sticks in my brain because I was like blown away by the fact that you've got this young black guy. Who's when you see him, you'll get why I say he's he's very eclectic. This young white guy is like with an old school icon. I'm like, yo, and they make such an amazing song. It's really good. Nice. It is it's cool. It is. So my question is, in your experience, Tim, I I have heard, let me back up. I have heard and read that with the latest craze of people using auto-tune for all these years. Mm-hmm. That some people say people that use auto-tune can't sing. But then I've heard you have to be able to sing somewhat because you can't fix somebody who can't sing. Not with anything. They have to be able to sing to some degree. Auto-tune doesn't fix that. Would you agree? Like, have you heard people that just absolutely can't even hold a note in a bucket and people have worked miracles in the studio? Have you ever seen that happen? No names. Have you ever seen that happen? Uh, it was in the beginning of AutoTune. Um, you had to sing somewhat the beginning. Nowadays, no. Mm-hmm. Both of you guys can do a duet right now with AutoTune and it'll come out perfect. As long as you know what, if the engineer, know, engineer knows what key you're trying to be in. And plus, they got ways to fix you to put you in the right key. 
But early on, it was like that. Anybody can um, sing with auto tune. I knew it. Yeah. That, that explains about half a dozen artists that I've heard in the past <laughs> three years. <laughs> no names. It's a, it's a big debate. It's funny because it's a big debate with auto tune. I understand what a lot of people who came from the old school hate it. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, now it's the standard, you know, but um, I'm not mad at it. You know what I mean? Uh, if it, now it's more, it serves the record as opposed to trying to prove you can sing because music really was never about the best singers. It was never, it was always about the song. Right. That's all right. it was, bottom line. It was never about the best singers. Only the fans made somebody the best singer in the world type stuff. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And some of those best singers in the world, like Whitney Houston, happen to have the best songs. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you don't have that too. Because I know some great singers, they just have terrible songs. I know terrible singers that can't sing a lick, but have hit songs. Mm. You know what I mean? So it's all of it's all even since day, even since the Beatles day, the Beatles days was two S's. That's why it's so hard to say days and Beatles. Beatles, Beatles. <laughs> right. Yeah, I feel like I'm speaking broken English when I do that. Even in those days, it was all about the songs. They weren't great singers. They weren't even great musicians. One of my favorite bands of all time. I have right. my favorite album is Rubber Soul. I still listen to that to this day. You know, but they weren't like a, a Jimi Hendrix. Mm, they weren't yeah. like what a Prince or um, who else? Just they they weren't those kind of musicians or like an Eric Clapton. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Right. But they had the best song. Mm, and the yeah. people who were musicians, this is how it always works too. The greatest singers always end up with the shitty songs. There's mm. one that that can't sing a lick usually end up being the best writers right <laughs> someone just and, jumped in my head mm. i'm sorry go ahead who's that who's that <clears throat> listening friends don't judge me if you're a fan ashanti i <laughs> she writes fantastic songs but mm, yeah mm, mm -mm. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's all i have okay i'm sorry <laughs> i got i got you now i understand why people feel that way but like i said it's really bottom line the the song um that's the reason why they spend so much time in the studio and it's about catchy melodies you say the same thing over and over again you're going right. to gravitate to that song and you, it's stuck in your head that's a lot of people who are really poets really don't like to write songs because it's meaningless to them if you have to repeat the same thing over and over again. Mm -hmm. Right. They want you to get involved in what they've written, how deep, and they want you to feel how they felt when they wrote it. Whereas a pop song is, she loves you, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> loves you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas a poet would write, she loves thou so much. Yes, I do love her a lot more. Yes, I can't believe that uh, she's in my life. So that doesn't right. make for a good pop song. That's not going to stick in anybody's head. Right, right. Yeah. 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 My Real quick, my favorite uh, mm. thing with uh, the Beatles and John Lennon was a reporter asked him if Ringo was the best drummer in the world. And John Lennon's response was, he's not even the best drummer in the Beatles. Yes. He did, <laughs> <laughs> he did say that. I was always like, was Damn. <laughs> And you know, it's crazy because each one of them never claimed themselves to be the best anything. Right. But except for Paul, will actually, yeah, he'll say that he was part of the, the hit making factory, which I understand is proven. 
Right. But yeah, none of them, even George Harrison, he will actually say that he's not the best guitarist. Same with John and all that stuff. But yeah, yeah, he did definitely say that. That's funny. <laughs> That's why I like the Beatles, because <laughs> they used to say some crazy stuff. And if you think at that time when it came to American 64, nobody was able to come back as quick as they were. And that's the reason why I ended up working with the group that um, that ended up in Boys and Men's first video is because they were some rowdy kids. They weren't great singers, but they had this infectious energy that everybody gravitated to. And plus, they were funny. That's the only reason why the Beatles were um, got a deal is because of their charm. Right. Because there were other musicians that could um, outplay them. Mm. Yep. But one of the um, best bands in the world. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, I, I can't argue with that at all. <laughs> e phrase one up. <laughs> no, they're my yeah. my list of great bands is huge. <laughs> yeah, same here. Same here. And really, sometimes with bands for me, it's weird because sometimes certain eras of a band are better than other times. It's like they had a five year period where they had the perfect amount of creativity, yeah. and then they never seem to be that creative. Or good as get again. I, Are you talking I'm, about the seven the transition from the seventies music to eighties music? Or? Just just any time. I mean, there are just sometimes where you'll hear a band and like their first four albums kind of suck. And then they're like middle four are great, and then their last two aren't good. But you don't get the middle mm-hmm. four if you don't have the first four because they need the first four to get the the middle four, and then the last two. Generally speaking, they hate each other, and that's why the album sucks. But that's right. Exactly what. <laughs> Yeah, you're ju- you just told the whole story of uh, Van Halen. Yeah, yep. right. <laughs> Twice. <laughs> Twice. Twice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it right there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of which, that special's coming out on my other podcast, June 15th, the Van Halen Lead Singer Showdown. Oh, wow. Um, it was a uh, debate. David Roth and um, uh, Sammy Hagar. Well, yeah. Uh, me, my wife, my brother-in-law, and my brother-in-law's friend, we formed Team Roth and Team Hagar, and we debated on five topics: who was the better lead singer for the band. And we had a moderator from a music podcast that moderated it. And this is going to air before that one does, so I'll have to tell you afterwards who won. Okay, okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough. And points were assigned, and and then at the end it was it. like who's the winner. But I can't tell <laughs> you that Gary Sharon came in third. <laughs> <laughs> What did you say, Kenyatta? I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) Kenyatta knows who won. (laughs) I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) All I know is when I get in the mood, and I actually played this song like on rotation last year when um, Eddie Van Halen passed. Um, I played on rotation about eight times, Hot for Teacher. That's what I know. (laughs) That's what I know. That is one of my all-time favorite songs, period. I That's don't the know why. Song. It is. Right? Yeah. It, you can't right, remake right? that song. Huh? No, no. You can't remake that song. It's just one of those classics you can't remake. Nope. Yeah, no, that I don't even know if that song would make it past the beginning stages. Someone at the label would be like, I don't think we should put that on the <laughs> Yeah. You know, today. But then again, we grew up with a ton of music that that would be the case. So what are you gonna do? Yeah. <laughs> Just reminisce and every chance you get in your car, pull up to your local convenience store and play it as loud as possible and just sit there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> just watch people look <laughs> at you strange, like, 
yep that's what it is <laughs> right <laughs> that's what it is so uh, i i just thought of this as we were just sort of talking about everything so did you ever go on like any long tours with any of the bands you worked with or artists not just bands i mean solo artists too i guess but did you ever get to go on a tour or yeah, yeah any yeah, of that to, yeah yeah with the group that i was working with we um did shows with Ludacris. we was first coming out shaggy um wasn't him yeah, it was that we found out it wasn't him. Okay. <laughs> 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 no, <I'm> <laughs> yeah. Shaggy, um, uh, Juvenile. When Juvenile Back That Thing came out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's right. I can curse. Back That Ass came out. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. When that came out, oh my God. We used to go, um, what people do, you have to, um, artists do, they have to go to each radio station, the cities that they're going to perform in. And you right. have to smooth with the DJs and this, that, and the other. And um, every single radio station, East Coast or West Coast, was talking about this record, Back That Ass Up. Mm-hmm. We never even, I don't think we heard it yet until, which is crazy of all places, Wichita, Kansas. We did the, show there. <laughs> the Heartland? Yes. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. And I could have sworn I saw Dorothy with the um, Dark Side of the Moon album in their hand. But <laughs> it was funny because the radio station was talking about that record so bad, so, I mean, so hard to where everybody, it's like they willed it to be number one. Now, Shaggy was even bigger. Right. Your record at the radio station, because you weren't, um, nowadays, you're, well, it's been a while. Nowadays, you can't pay a DJ to um, play your record. It's payola, it's illegal. Yeah. But they found other ways to do it. There's other ways to do it. Mm-hmm. They get more spins and all that stuff. But when Shaggy came out with It Wasn't Me, um, that just took took the cake. Um, mm. Also did a show um, with Jagged Edge, uh, 112, R&B groups, um, Mandy Moore of all, case, all cases in Richmond, Virginia, when she was a blonde. Listen, I have fallen in love with her yeah. for the last six seasons of This Is Us, so I have not a bad thing to say about her. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, that's a new show. No. This is us. You've never heard of This Is Us? No. <gasps> Where have you been? In the studio. I, I was going to say that. But <laughs> 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 You've been working. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it in was recording. A, yeah. In recording. It was a show. They just finished up six seasons on uh, NBC, and it had um, Mandy Moore played, I guess, the matriarch of this um, family. with. They had a set of triplets. Um and it's interesting how they for they did it the same kind of way through every season. They would flip back and forth in time. Like they would have the present time um, with the kids as grownups. When you first started to show the, the triplets are 35. And of course, you know, she's somewhere in her 60s. So they aged her up. And then they would flip back and forth in time to when she met her husband. Um, she got pregnant. They had the kids. They had they went through some tragedy some it was more tragedy more tragic like literally everybody always says i'm tired of watching this is us because it always makes me cry oh wow yeah i never watched it but every time heather did i'd come in when it was over and she would be crying i'm like why do you watch that it makes you cry every time it was so (laughs) good though you don't understand (laughs) you don't understand six seasons so that means they've been on for six years yes yeah yeah they just they said they just finished up the the last season a couple weeks ago Oh, wow. So it's an excellent, heartwarming family drama. I'll put it that way. Yes, that makes you cry. <laughs> I I don't cry much, but I did I did get the eye sweats okay. on quite a few episodes. Okay. Like, I'd just be sitting there like, why? And I just like the tear just 
<laughs> allergies have hit you? <laughs> the allergies. <laughs> it was too hot in the room. Something, something. Right at that moment. Right at those yeah, moments. Shout out to Mandy Moore. Yep, she was, that was when she was doing the Britney thing. When they were trying mm-hmm. to bring artists that like Britney. Mm-hmm. Right. Who else did we go on tour with? A lot of people, some of them were, um, and I don't remember the name, some of them are in, like those new reality shows, Love and Hip Hop type thing, you know, mm-hmm. or used to be hip hop, whatever it is, whatever reality shows. But yeah, we were, we did a lot of um, shows like that, tours like that. Hmm. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to do you like Jack did me one time a long time ago. Uh-oh. Quick, quick, Tim, off the top of your head. First song you think of that's one of your favorite songs, the artist, and why? I don't know. It's too many to name. Come on. <laughs> I Come named on. it quick. <laughs> it's too many to name. Come on. That's a pretty good band, Too Many to Name. <laughs> they were really so, big in the 70s. Somebody's <laughs> yeah. got that name somewhere. <laughs> I, um, I don't know. It's too many to name. Uh, okay. Okay. I'll, 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 let me see. What comes to mind real quick? Uh, um, Nothing is coming. There's too many that's coming to my mind. It's like each one of the songs is coming to my head. Say, pick me, pick me. No, pick me. Which one said, pick me first? <laughs> I don't know. I think they had a mask on. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 ask the question again. Maybe it'll come back. You said favorite song. Off the top of your head, the first thing you think of. One of your favorite songs, the artist, and why? All right, I'm just gonna pick one. Run for your life by the Beatles on Rubber Soul. Okay, okay, why? Because it's a funny song, <laughs> and it should be banned for 1965. Uh. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna write this down because I am immediately gonna go and listen to it. No, no, I have I have other better songs that I do, but it's just not coming to me. But um, <laughs> that song, for some reason, is because. Uh, uh, no, another one. But anyway, uh, it's because the the song is "Run for Your Life," right? Mm-hmm. And what John Lennon says, um, hold on, how does it go? You you better keep your head, little girl. Uh, hold, on, hold on, hold on. Okay, I'll sing the hook. You better run for your life if you can, little girl. Hide your head in the sand, little girl. Catch it with another man. That's the end. Little girl. So you take that how you want to take that. Right. Oh. <laughs> All right. Kill her or break up with her. <laughs> I mean, I've seen enough investigation discovery to know it could yeah. go either way. Mm. <laughs> right. But that was just a quick one, real quick. But really, technically, I think I would say uh, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds because it's so innovative. Okay. Yeah. There are other songs. There's too many. There's too many. But that's not a cop out. I feel the same way. I have yeah. this list and it's just. Plus, I don't want to piss the other songs off. Because right. Because <laughs> they'll come to you late at night and stick in your head and they won't go away. <laughs> yeah, because it'll be like, oh, oh, so you picked that, huh? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I see how you are. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, that's, that's fine. All that's those times you spit together when you were <laughs> drinking that gin, <laughs> you're forgetting yeah. about me. <laughs> you were taking them late night drives and you were feeling some kind of way. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. It's fine. <laughs> and the song's like, so we've come to the end of the road, huh? <laughs> Sorry, I just had to circle back to that. <laughs> no, that was a good one. Was, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's too many to name. And I think it's probably depending on how I felt when I heard those songs. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I get it. I was thinking about this the other day as I was uh, listening to some music for probably the 27th millionth time at work. Mm. And 
to me, it's just so amazing that humanity can create so much music that think about how many songs there are, you know, millions in it. So many of them are just so original and there's always somebody that could kind of come up with, you know, something new, the new hook, the new, whatever, the new way of playing the guitar or whatever. It's just amazing that we can do that um, as a, as a species. It's it's interesting. You say that because the song Tim just mentioned back that ass up. It was a, for me and like, you know, the folks I hung around with, it was a big deal for us. And I think I may have read it somewhere years later. It was a big deal because the opening music had the strings in it. Like who did that at the time? Yeah. No, no. Right. Yeah. And it was like, and you know, it, I mean, now it's a thing. Like as soon as you hear it, if you're in the club, you're out there on the dance floor, you know, mm-hmm. nine, nine taking over the 2000, you out there, you put your drink down yeah. and you, you push yeah, people was, out the way. <laughs> yeah. Cause it was sort of like those, those college bands. It had that kind of feel like mm-hmm. those um, college bands that, um, they used to play beats like that whenever they would step out into the field. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah. It, yeah was, it, it was something new. It was something new and innovative. And it's a shame we don't we don't get a whole lot of that, it seems. Yeah. Or we get it and it just doesn't get promoted. And it spreads by word of mouth. Like some of the best artists I've listened to in the last couple of years have been like, like I, I most of my music I stream off of Apple Music and they'll just like pull like random newer artists together in a, you know, ever-changing playlist. Some of the best artists I had never heard of. And yeah. they had, they've been had yeah. like two, three albums out. And I'm like, what is going on here? What, what is this? But we still yeah. got to listen to like, you know, mushmouth rap artists. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, this is what's getting, this is what's getting pushed out there. Okay. That's fine. That's yeah. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Music, music has changed a lot. I'm not bad. You were about to say something, Jeff? I was just going to say, Kenyatta can tell you that I have this philosophy when it comes to music, that if it's good music, it's good music. Mm -hmm. So I have this insanely eclectic taste in music. I'll have a playlist and it'll go from Neil Diamond and the song that follows it will be Metallica and the song that follows that will be Tears for Fears, followed by Pink Floyd, followed by The Doors, followed by The Beatles. Right. And you know, followed by Marvin Gaye, follow you know, just yeah. I just think I good think music everybody. is good music. And if it hits yeah, you, I think everybody's like that. And then one thing a lot of people uh music is really subjective. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's really subjective. You either like it or you don't. And it doesn't mean mean that it's bad if you don't right. like it. You know what I mean? It's just not your yeah. taste, you know. Yeah, because um I witnessed the change in music in 1996-97. That's when things started. Um, hip-hop was really, really getting big. The boy right. bands were moving out, and I was still I still had a boy band group that I was working with. And at this time, we were working with Boys to Men. Boys to Men ended up in 96. They ended up starting their own record label, which is called Stone Creek. They had already mm-hmm. left the management of Michael Bibbins from BBD. And um, started their own label through Sony, through Tommy Matola, which was Mariah Carey's former husband. Mm-hmm. Gave them a lot of money. And um, that's when they moved me up to, me and the guys up to Pennsylvania. And that was a great time in music. Well, financially, because it was nothing for me to get big money for a song that would never, ever be released. You still get got paid for it. But at that time, Boys to Men had just came off of I'll Make Love to You, which was another yeah. song that they did not want to do, too. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that shows you how they pick that they can pick their music wrong. But 
things were changing because the groups that were like a boys and men and Jodeci were kind of phasing out. Boys and boy bands were phasing out. Mm -hmm. Hip hop was coming in and single artists were starting to gel mm -hmm. right. at that time. And so when we were working with boys and men, they had a bunch of artists that they were working with, but I'm not sure what happened with their label. All I know is that time Matola just pulled the plug. It must be some internal stuff. So the check stopped coming in. I ended up moving back to Newport News and we we're trying to find a way to get a record deal, trying to get the guys a record deal. Nobody was signing any kind of groups at that time. And mm -hmm. So it just moved on, moved on. That's why you notice um, when I said that we were on a tour with Shaggy, um, Juvenile, they were all single, Ludacris, they were all single artists. Right. The only groups that we would actually be on tour with had already been big in the 90s, like the 112s and people like that. But mm -hmm. they were phasing out. Mm -hmm. So 96, I would say, was the um, turning point. 2000 is when it really was just out of here, going on to what we have now to the, today. Yeah. So how does one get paid long term when you're a producer? Do you or an engineer or, you know, someone that worked on the album that's not the band? Mm -hmm. Is it you get paid for your work at the beginning and that's it? Do you, as the producer, receive any royalties from it future on, you know, in the future? How yeah. does how does that aspect work? And is it different now than back then before 2000? In a sense, it's pretty much the same. I'll start with the engineer. The engineer gets paid up front. They get the hourly rate or if they're a big engineer, they get whatever fee they want to command, which will hold them off for that project. You know, I've seen um, engineers that would get $300,000 just to do one song. Oh, wow. Yeah, just to do one song. So they get paid up front. Now, if you're a big name, you can try to negotiate. I want a percentage, at least 1% off of this record for less pay. You can do that. But that rarely happens. Producers traditionally, like there, there are different producers. There's a producer that doesn't even touch music at all. Okay. That's the Quincy Jones, the George mm -hmm. Martins from the Beatles. I mean, the producer of the Beatles and uh, Phil Spector, so on and so forth. Those producers, what they do, they get hired to put together these musicians to uh, create a song that the producer found from a songwriter. Put them okay. in the studio. The producer creates the budget of how much the studio is going to cost, how much to pay the uh the engineer, the food service, the um, people who play the instruments, all that stuff, blah, blah, blah. So they'll get a budget for that. They use that budget to pay for the studio time. And then whatever's left over, the producer gets. So I'm pretty sure they try to fight to come under budget. That was right. the traditional producer. Now, back then, the producer would get like 3%, I think, off of the album. Because back then, producers were producing whole out. Right. That's, that's not true nowadays. Mm -hmm. Now, the producer nowadays are making their own music. So you don't have to hire outside musicians because you're creating them. You're your own musician. So you'll get all the upfront money. They'll pay you up front. And then I think it's still 3% on an album or a certain like that for royalties for a producer. Now, um, engineers, though, uh, the main thing they would get outside of getting upfront money and credit on the album would be they would share in the Grammy if that song or album went. They would get a Grammy as well. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's the kind of thing the average music listener just doesn't know. <laughs> right. So yeah, that's really yeah. cool. All I know is I don't know how I don't need to know how the sausage is made right. to enjoy it. <laughs> right. And that's true. And that's true. And sometimes you gotta know because I'm not one of those musicians. Kenyetta can uh, attest to this. She didn't even know I did music. 
the whole time we worked together. And oh wow! These are, <laughs> half of those stories that I'm telling you was have went on before I started working with um, working at Teletech, where she mm-hmm. was working at, and I used to come to work in a Range Rover. She probably doesn't even know that. <laughs> I didn't even know that people lived in houses outside of that building. That's how much I paid attention. <laughs> That's how much I paid attention to people. That was that was a different chapter in my life. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that's that's what it is as far as like, um, and I was telling him, I had a conversation with one of my um, songwriting partners, his name is Aaron Kane. He was actually part of the original group that was um, that I was talking about, that was in Boys Men's video. And I was telling him, I, um, he was he was complaining about the fact that, man, I put all this music out, nobody's listening to it. But if I sing a, a, somebody else's song, I get all kinds of likes, just that. And then I said, look, Aaron, you got to understand. And then, no, this is what he, what he says that. And um, I sing other people's music and I get all kinds of likes, all kinds of attention. They said they don't understand the sweat and tears and all the hours I put in and this, that. And I said, Aaron, they don't care. Just like you said, Kenyatta, they just want they just want to hear what they hear. They don't even hear half of the shit that you added in there anyway. Mm-hmm. They don't care. They just right. hear what they hear. They like what they like or they don't like it. Sometimes they don't even know why they like it or don't like it. That's true. Yeah. Because yeah. I have had earworms behind some of the most unlikely songs and i'm just like why yeah. why why does my brain betray me like this because there's just something about the song it, yeah. it makes no sense and it, it doesn't necessarily have to be one of those big iconic generation spanning songs it can be just like a one-hit wonder from yeah. you know like yeah. uh, like skilo you know, something like that. You know, I wish was like an awesome song at the time. You can yeah. still listen to that song today and it'll, it'll take you somewhere. Do I remember what the rest of his album sound like? No. I think nobody did. Exactly. Maybe he didn't. I don't know. But <laughs> but that song is a classic, hands down. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I was a little bit taller. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and there's, there are times to where the, the record or the song is bigger than the artists themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's another problem. You know what I'm saying? Well, I can't say it's a problem. It's good with royalties because if you have a downtime and they resurge your song, you're getting some money coming in. But sometimes the record is so big that you can't recover after. You can't come up with nothing bigger than that. Ice Ice Baby. Come on. Yep. Right. Yep. Modern English, I'll melt, stop the world yeah. and melt with you. There has never oh, yeah, been a yeah. song in more commercials than I'll yeah. stop the world and melt with you. <laughs> I mean, you, you just go ahead. I mean, you nowadays, though, you might find there's a lot of hip hop in commercials more yeah. often than there used to be. I've oh, been yeah. I've been shocked out of my socks at some of the stuff I've heard. Like it was a Instacart commercial that had no diggity in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just saw that. Uh, yeah. That, and it yeah. took me for it took me forever to figure out the relevance. I'm like, oh, got to bag it up. Durr. Yeah, I'm like, how yeah, dare yeah. they? How yeah. dare they yeah. do this? Song. But back <laughs> in the day, it was a no-no to have your songs in commercials. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was. Yeah. yeah. But now you're getting more money from it. You're getting more money from advertising than you're getting off of sales because the streaming rights aren't good mm-hmm. and um, record labels aren't really giving you the money they used to give you back in the day. It was nothing for even an unknown artist to get a million dollar budget. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, that's like me um, back in those times uh, and no name producer. It, it was nothing for me to get thirty thousand dollars per song. Mm-hmm. Just for uh, one song. But 
nowadays you, you really can't get that. And they want to, um, the labels want to see how many followers you have, what interaction mm-hmm. that you have before they even make a move. And you have to damn near st- sell your own um, music and product mm-hmm. yourself before any record label touches you. I'm not a fan of record labels, record label deals or anything like that anymore. I, I cut the middleman and find your fan base on your own. That's what a tribe yeah. called Quest said all those years ago. Yeah, record companies are shady. Yep. Shady. Yeah. Speaking of resurgence, it's interesting that you mentioned that because just this past weekend, I binge watched the first half of season four of Stranger Things. Right. And they had a song in, I think it was episode four. I hadn't heard before. I'd heard of the artist, but I had never heard it before. And apparently that song has now topped the charts again. Yeah, when number one, me and um, Jack was just talking about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Kate Bush. Yeah. Like I, I said, I'd never heard, I'd heard of her. I've always yeah. liked her, like especially this woman's work. But then I heard that song and I was like, oh. So like immediately, like I hit the streets, like later on, I think on Saturday and I found it up on my little stream of music and I played the heck out of it. I was like, wow. Yeah. And like, like you said, she's hit the charts again and she's probably sitting there getting calls from people like, well, you know. I'm sure, you know, I'm sure somebody told her, hey, you know, they're going to they want to use this song in the show. But I'm I'm thinking she probably didn't know it was going to do this. No, I'm pretty sure she didn't because yeah. she, um, they pay you. Well, yeah, they pay you whatever you uh, a licensing fee in right. order for them to use it. And then you keep whatever or whoever wrote the song royalties. I think she wrote her own stuff. But nobody plans on a resurgent like that. Cause that song, I don't even think it was. No, it was released as a single. I think it was number 20 something. One of the charts when it first came out in 85 mm-hmm. and it ends up number one after all these years. You have yep. a number one record and you know you don't even have to do nothing. That's priceless. It is. Yeah. <laughs> that like it, it like blew my mind. I'm like, okay. And they picked it was the right song, you know, yeah. for the story they, they were trying to tell at the time. I'm like, Yeah, that's like a 401k music. It right? is <laughs> it is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. 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 It is. I told um Tim, do you remember back in March? March. Maxwell came to town? I don't remember he came to town. I'm telling you, he did. So oh, <laughs> I, you should remember March. I remember March. But, but yeah. I didn't know if you had seen anywhere that he was on tour and that he came to Hampton. No. Okay. So, of course, you know, I had to get myself together and go see him. That was the third time I've seen him in concert. And uh, yes. And hey, if y'all can have a moment of silence for J-Lo, I can have one for Maxwell. <laughs> that wasn't a moment of silence. That was a moment of trying to have clarity. Right. But blinded, but blinded same, same. <laughs> same, same. So I took um, I took my daughter and one of her friends to go see the show because it's um, I think it was called the Knights Tour. And he had with him Joe and Anthony Hamilton. Nice. Yes, it was a really good show. So, um, of course, Max was, Max was the headliner. And during his, I was hoping, out of the three times I've seen him, I have not seen him do this song live. And I really wish he would one day. He just may not. But after we got done with the show and we were going, we had gotten in the car and we were trying to get out of the parking lot. I told my daughter about the fact that Maxwell had done a cover back in ninety late 90s of Nine Inch Nails, Closer. And she said, word, I said, word, I said, go ahead and put it on. And she turned it on. And the two of them sat like 
dead silence listening to that song. They were like, oh, I was like, yeah. I was like, you thought I was fangirling all these years for no reason? Come on, man. Yes, Maxwell, <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Maxwell is a genius. And I love hearing artists that you wouldn't think would cover a song like that and turn it into something totally, they, totally their own. And it's yeah. just as, it has just as much relevance. When I told Jack about like the next week, I said, you should yep. go find that song and listen to it. And he was I like, did. okay. And he came back a few days later. He was like, what? I said, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. <laughs> yeah, that it's definitely different. The downward spiral that that song is on is one of my all time top 10 favorite albums. And it was just so weird hearing a song that I've played, you know, thousands of times that much different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and exposes it to a new audience. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he like he put the whole Baptist church spin on that right there. Yeah, the Vandross was another one that was good at that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah. he I mean, was. Especially with Superstar. Um, the Carpenters did it first. Well, I think they wrote it, did it first and totally upbeat. And then Luther does it, slows it down. And we thought it was Luther's record. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep. That's like um, who else did that? Um, Marvin Gaye did that with I Heard It Through the Grapevine. Right. Um, yeah. And then there was another song that's been covered by quite a few artists, and they all do it a little different. Oh, um, Try a Little Tenderness. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because that was actually written, because I did did a little research after I had read um, a biography about Aretha, Aretha Franklin. I did a little research on that song, and apparently it's been redone over and over again. And I think, was it Bing Crosby? Somebody did it way back back in the day. And then she did a version. A lot slower tempo version. It was it was wonderful. She sounds wonderful on it. But the version everybody knows, of course, is um now Wilson Pickett, is it? Thank no. Um Otis Redding. Yes, thank you. Gosh. <laughs> That's the version everybody knows. But now I don't know, I don't know how many people know that there was at least like three or four other artists that did it before. No, a lot of people don't know. A lot of people don't know. Because you gotta think a lot of people don't venture into uh, different genres of music. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it, I think it's easier for military brats. I'm not sure if you guys can speak the same thing to be exposed to different. I know it was it happened with me. Mm-hmm. I, I was exposed to different genres of music all at the same time because I was on a um, military base. Mm-hmm. That makes I've never thought of that, but that does make perfect sense. Yeah, because there is no more diverse neighborhood than yeah. being on a military base. That's true. Yeah. That and the fact that um, when I was younger, our family's closest friends was a white family, heavy into country music. Right. So and being from Oklahoma, that meant when we spent time with them or we went places with them, it was always on the country station in the car. And it was Alabama. It was the Oak Ridge ah. Boys. <laughs> Like to this, yes, like every now and then I'll have a moment, I'll just go through all the old school country bands. I'm like, oh, yeah, that went down to Georgia. (laughs) Oh my god, yeah, I've I'm I'm now gonna have some earworms for another week (laughs) (laughs) with all of that. Oak Ridge Boys, Alabama, (laughs) yes. So, yeah, I appreciate that. (laughs) Oh, heard it through the grapevine. I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, Gladys Knight did it first, right? Right. Yeah, Gladys Knight, which is crazy. Huge fan of Gladys, Gladys Knight. Um, uh, rest in peace, Leah. We went to her funeral in New York. Mm-hmm. And um, 
everybody was there. Jay-Z, uh, whoever you can think of, even the guy who played her father and I think it was Romeo must die, I think it was. He was there. Jet Li mm-hmm. wasn't there. Mm-hmm. But Mike Tyson bought everybody lunch at the Soul Food restaurant. Mm-hmm. And I'm standing behind Gladys Knight, standing right behind Gladys Knight. And um, I tap her on the shoulder. She said, yes, baby, how you doing? I said, <laughs> I, I, Temper, I always wanted to meet you. And I just want to tell you that you're my girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> and she did exactly that. I didn't even know what to say. That just came out. And I remember that. She said, okay, so I'm your girlfriend. I said, I didn't mean to say that, but you are. <laughs> Like, just know that. Yeah, I just had to tell the story real quick. That's funny. She said, bless your your little heart. That's what she said. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's why it's a correlation. She used to be married to Aaliyah's uncle, who was R. Kelly. Okay. Oh, oh. Yeah. Did I know that? Huh. Okay. Okay. Yeah. They got a child together. Um, Boys hang out. His name is Shanga, uh, Shanga Hankinson. Um, Yeah, they, they were married for a while. Hmm. Okay. It's interesting. During it the is. neither one of us days, remember that song, neither one of us. Oh yeah. yeah. That's <laughs> when. That's when people were literally crying on a record. <laughs> so, did you ever meet R. Kelly? No, which is ironic because I was signed to the same label as Aaliyah, and her uncle was. Uh, well, I wasn't signed to the same label as Aaliyah. It was Aaliyah's label, record label. Okay. He was signed to Atlantic Record. Um, but her uncle was managing me and the group, which he was still managing R. Kelly. I never got a chance to meet R. Kelly. And around the office, people just said, uh, Robert just called, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, who the hell is Robert? And they going through all, you know, when somebody's like flatlining in the hospital or the emergency room, everybody just running around. Blah, blah, yeah. Blah. They were doing that to this name, Robert. Hmm. Come to find out it was R. Kelly, but I never got a chance to meet him. Ben- Looking what we know now, maybe that was a good thing. I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. But indeed. Now, now, now the, yeah, with that tape thing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I hate, hate, hate that so much good stuff's been tainted now. Like, that's exactly how I feel about it. Tainted. And yeah. I, I, it, like, I, I'm thinking about all the stuff he's written for other people. Yeah. Like, oh, how dare you? I just want to drop kick him. Just. Mm. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> there are probably a lot of people that would like to uh, do that as well. <laughs> I'm sure they're in, they're in line in front of me. I have no doubt, but I, mm, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, he's truly talented. And um, from what I understand, I didn't know if it's true, but a lot of people who knew him said that he really could not read. Mm. Yeah, he could not read. Could not. Well, majority of us we can't read music either. But I'm mm. um, talking about couldn't read words, and um, he didn't write anything down because I, I think he couldn't even write. He just whatever. He learned through the English language. He just sang it, whatever came to him, and just recorded it. Wow. Mm-hmm. Interesting. That kind of makes it somewhat even more impressive, I guess, that he. Yeah. yeah, that's the reason why they consider him a genius, you know, until. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, geez. I uh, I have some bad news, guys. We, we've been recording for an hour and a half. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It, we've had so much fun. It just only seems about like 15 minutes, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it did. Yeah, it definitely did. Did anybody have any other questions or something like that? I know I didn't go line by line with, with my career because I wanted everybody else to talk too. I just that was all. I, I still found everything you talked about very interesting. And mm-hmm. um, just because you may find this funny, after Kenyatta told me you were going to come on the show, I was asleep. I wake up. 
it's like 145. My wife's sitting on the side of the bed, petting um our great Dane sleeps with us. Don't ever oh, let wow. that happen. Don't ever let that happen. Right. <laughs> she's she's over there petting him and sitting up. And I just randomly wake up. I look at her and I said, Hey, Kenyatta booked a guest who's gonna come on. And he used to work with boys to men. She goes, Really? And I go, Yeah, I'm going back to sleep. Wow. <laughs> <was the> <laughs> Uh, and I did. I just dozed right back off. And the thanks, she's like, Jack. She was I'm like, did, she was like, did Kenyatta really do that? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? I mean, yeah. now the thing of it is, just just like like Tim had said earlier, I didn't I didn't know to the extent. I only found out like after some time after we like you know met each other at the job. I only found out later on that he was into music and then only really recently that he had worked with who he had worked with. I was like, I've been around a lot of crazy yeah. a lot of stuff. Like I've been to, um, I hung out with, I can't say I hung out, hung out. I was right next to like, I had a Grammy party, which was uh, Ra Zombie, Howard Stern and David Spade. They came together to this party, hmm. hanging out with them. I got to meet Lisa Marie Presley. Oh, this is another one. I know your alarm went off. Hopefully you can edit this in. But I went to the bathroom at the Grammy party, right? And this tall guy sitting next to me using the bathroom. And you're not supposed to talk to each other when you're in the stall. I mean, when you you know, when you're... Well, yeah, listen, that, yeah, that's, that, that's one of the unwritten rules for men, Kenyatta. Right. We, you don't talk, you don't call, you don't talk and you don't look over. So <laughs> this guy asked me in an English accent, um, can I break 100? I didn't get paid. I was broke as shit. I was like, no, no, I actually left my wallet at home, lying my ass off, so I ain't having money. It was Simon LeBron from um, Durant. <gasps> oh, my gosh. Oh, my <laughs> God. Do you understand that I stand him for years? Yeah. Do you? Oh, my God. This yeah. was meant to happen. Yeah, if you don't, ask if I see, don't ask me if I saw what he's working with, because remember, we're not supposed to look over, so I didn't. <laughs> Right, I don't right. need to know all that. <laughs> yeah. I'm just just the just the fact that you met him. Like yep. we didn't shake hands afterwards though. So I don't know if you watch his hands or not. Good lord, that would be so disappointing to find that out. Like yeah, honestly. That yep. honestly. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna get off of here and go play seven in a ragged tiger back to back three times. <laughs> 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 Oh, like, another quick thing. You you guys heard of the Isley brothers, right? Yeah. Yeah, this is um, a, a crazy one. Huge fan of the Isley brothers. So I'm um, at the Beverly Centers in L. In Beverly Center in L. A. Uh, everybody's there. Christian, I run into Christian McNichol. Remember her? Yeah. 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 yeah from um, whatever, Little Darlings and um, mm-hmm. whatever. Her, Joan Rivers. Met her. She had um, this first time I ever saw that you can bring a dog in a mall. And um, the next step, we go to for for. Um, Footlocker, me and my friend, and um, I see Ronald Isley standing there looking at shoes. He's like this, just looking at shoes, looking straight ahead. I walk up to him and I'm like, Mr. Isley, I'm a huge fan. I got all your records. My parents you know, exposed me to you, blah, blah, blah. Oh, that sounds like a funny word. My parents used to. <laughs> yeah, let me rephrase that. My parents used to play you all the time, and blah, blah. He never looked at me. He kept looking at shoes. And I was like, I could tell he was busy. My friend was laughing because he was just ignoring me and sunning me the whole time. So I was like, oh, well, I guess I'll go. I reach out my hand to shake his hand. He's still like this. And he reaches his hand out like, not even looking at me and gives this one of these. Hold on. Can you see my hand? Uh, One of these. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Okay. 
Okay. Who knew? Yeah. Who knew? Well, well looking looking at, at what he looks like today, I guess I shouldn't be surprised because he's gone. He's gone real fancy on folks these last couple of years. Yeah. yeah. I chalk it off to uh, rightfully so because he's been in the business. Yeah, I think the Beatles redid a song that he wrote. You know what I mean? Yeah. Twist and Shout. Yeah, Twist yeah. and Shout. Yeah. And um, he's been through a lot. So I guess he could command that. And plus, he was looking at sneakers. Maybe I just, you don't mess with a man when he's looking at sneakers. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe so. Right? Maybe so. <laughs> so well, yeah. I'm going to suggest that you come on again. Definitely. I'll um, get the in-depth everything. Yep. Yeah. It, there's obviously a lot more here that we can learn. Yep. Um, the real question is, is there anything that we can blackmail some of these musicians with? <laughs> oh, I'm just kidding. Lot, <laughs> I'm, no, I'm no, kidding. There, no, no, true story. No, there, there is, but I, I'm not. I can't. But I know you're kidding, though. But yeah. <laughs> But not, but not really, but not, but not really. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, Kenyatta knows some of them. That's the kind of stuff I can talk about um, off the phone, you know, so I mean, off the, off the Zoom. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) There's some fascinating, fascinating things. And I'm sure I haven't heard, but a fraction of it, so. Yeah, Uh, there's a lot of stuff and just crazy. A lot of people ask they ask, um, is the industry the uh, like people say it is? It is to me. It's like um, it's the devil's playground. You can do whatever you want. Right. People will cover up for you. You have you don't have to answer for anybody at all. It's um, that's the reason why I asked that question about the military mindset and the civilian mindset because to me it's sort of like the same thing, you know. But it's the transition from the being able to do whatever you want to going to rule. But right. yeah, it's, in the, the industry, you don't have to have uh, you don't have to be great to be great at all. That's one thing I tell people out there. Don't worry about it. What makes people great is us. We tell people that they're great because <laughs> we can't because we can't do what they do. Right. That is that, a, that, that is a sense. more than fair assessment from some of the stuff I've heard over the years. I'm like, I just can't imagine how this how did this get out of of the studio? How did this how how? Yeah, they had to okay. Uh, somebody yeah. did. Think, come on, <laughs> I'm Too Sexy was a number one record. How much singing do you do with that record? Right? Uh, singing? <laughs> think about that. Yeah. That puts everything in perspective. That one song, no, I'll say two, Margarina. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ooh, now I'm thinking about a whole bunch of others. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I see the point. That's Yeah. I would love to come back on and yeah, I just wanted to talk to you guys. I know we even get deep, deep, but no, no, we we have to set up another time. Oh yeah. There's, there's gotta be a sequel. Yes. Yeah. It's going to have to be. I for one have thoroughly enjoyed this. I have too. So thank you very much for uh, Tim for giving up six years of your time. (laughs) Just just sit and talk with us. You're most welcome. You're most welcome. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm, Thank you for I, I enjoyed you. it. Um, my wife is going to be incredibly tickled when I tell her that you've written a lot of the music to Discovery ID, which she watches yeah. every night without fail. Majority of them was on Ice Cold Killers. Then I had some on a couple of other ones, other shows too. Like it would be like a one shot, but like in the background. Um, and I, I know we're running over time, but I remember one time, I think I told Kenyatta, I was working on some music and I had my TV on always. And I thought that I left 
one part of my computer with the music on playing the music that I had already submitted for TV. And it come, it come to hap- it happens to be the music or happened to be the music that I created for Ice Cold Killers. It was playing on TV. <laughs> the first time that I was able to um, hear my music outside of the music that I heard on um, at the end of the movie Exit Moon with Steven Seagal and DMX. Mm-hmm. I had a song up there, but they left my name off the credits and I, that hurt me. I still haven't seen that movie because of that. I, I will never watch it now in protest. <laughs> also, <laughs> same. <laughs> yeah, nah, it was a Timberland remix. And, um, and, uh, yeah, that was my whole, nobody else who wrote on the song didn't care about having their music in film. I was the only one. And I'm <laughs> the only one my name got left off. I was like, for years, I said, I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to hear about that movie. Get that. Uh, wow. Steven Seagal is a giant bastard. So, yeah, I heard he's one of those. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. not good. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. Mm-hmm. Unlike this transition to finish this podcast. Before we do that, be good. <laughs> before you transition, <clears throat> Tim, can you let everybody know what's going on with you and where they can find you and like, you know, on the interweb or what have you? Yeah. Plug sure. your plug your things you need to plug. Yes. Sure. Sure. Um, yeah. Currently right now I'm, wor- I'm working on some new music for Catfish. Also growing up hip hop. Um, what else? I'm trying to get, I'm really trying to get into film, film, like composing stuff that's down the road. And um, if you want to hear the music that I've done so far, you can always go to timbirdmusic.com. And that's B-Y-R-D, not B-I-R-D, timbirdmusic.com. And follow me on um, Facebook, Tim Bird Music. Follow me on Instagram, Tim Bird Music. I have, a, I have a TikTok, but I haven't made a video yet. So you can follow me there. I'm not a bot. Just because I don't have no videos up. <laughs> right. It's it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. But thank you again very much for yeah. your time. We appreciate you. Thank you. Definitely do. This this has been a great time. It's best Thursday that nice I've had time. in a while. <laughs> and oh. generally with Kenyatta, we really oh nice way to clean it up, Jack. Okay. Wow. <laughs> We've only switched to recording on Thursdays like two weeks ago. So yeah, she was telling me. Before it was nice cleanup, so. Jack. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, <laughs> thank God Kenyatta has several states between me and her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you very much for having me. I had fun. Oh, thank you for coming on. It's it's been a blast. Absolutely. Right. And thank you, listening friends, for sticking with us. Um, we'll be back here same time next week. So take care until then. Yep. Bye. As always, thank you for listening to our podcast. If you're enjoying the show, hit that like button and subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. Let us hear your feedback. You can find us on our website, podpage.com slash kenyatta-jack-save-the-world, on Instagram at K-A-Y-A-N-D-J-A-Y-S-T-W, on Facebook, or you can email us k.j.savetheworld at gmail.com. You can also find further information about our chosen charities at Service Dog Project at servicedogproject.org and Black Women's Health Initiative at bwhi.org. And because we always want you to be good to yourselves and others, if you or anyone you know needs help or support, please check out the resources provided by the American Psychological Association at apa.org. Slash
topics slash crisis dash topics. and Jack Save the World is a production of Hyper Focus Podcast.